0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au uh, We're reading Mark chapter 9 verses 42 to 50 today. You might like to open your Bibles or the YouVersion Bible app for the event there and follow along the verses. Take your own notes and do your own research, explore it, um, follow it along uh, a little bit further and a little bit closer a little bit closer in your own time with God throughout the week and as I, over the last few weeks i 've been asking us a, a few questions and encouraging us to think about this in a personal way as you read through the text, what stands out to you and, and what stands out might be What surprises you? What haven't you heard before? What takes your breath away? What do you need clarification or what questions might you be asking? So that's the kind of um, surrounding sub-questions of the main question, what stands out for you? What do we learn about God through reading this text? Um, What do we learn about humanity as in the global picture if you like? And then what do we learn about ourselves? And following all this, well now that I know this, what will this mean? What response does this ask of me? How do I respond? What will I do with this now that I have heard this? So uh, as I said last week, uh, this, this text, this journey, um, that's an overused word, isn't it? Journey. Um, footballers go on a journey. Journey. Um, Uh, it's so but on this reading through the gospel this this does not get easier ladies and gentlemen Uh, this actually gets more demanding uh, gets a little bit harder and uh, more sacrificial Uh, so um, buckle in Uh, but it's also more rewarding Um, so we remember a few weeks ago that uh, the disciples uh, were questioned by Jesus about the argument they were having along the road and they went quiet because they were arguing about who was the greatest uh, and Jesus welcomes a child amongst them and says um, anyone who welcomes the child not only welcomes the child but welcomes me uh, and if you want to be great then serve uh, and so this was the challenge the disciples didn't like being told off and they struggle with the awkwardness of being told off or the awkwardness of being found out. You know that moment where your parents find you out at home or someone calls you out for a behaviour and it just goes deathly quiet around the dinner table. We all know those moments, don't we? Andrea might not, you don't know those moments, do you? You So um, that, that moment where you get found out or you've had a thought or you've had a conversation and all of a sudden someone challenges you about that conversation, you go, how did you know that? and it just goes, takes all the air out of the room. That's kind of what I imagine this conversation that was happening. And the disciples a little bit unsettled, don't like sitting in the awkwardness, uh, perhaps don't like being confronted so abruptly by Jesus. They look at someone else and they say, hey Jesus, we saw someone else doing this. What are you gonna do about him? And he, don't worry about him. He's, He's following Jesus in the way that he's working that out. Let us work this out. And this, for me, this is, this text that we're about to go into, verse 42, kind of picks up the conversation that we saw Jesus having initially, those verses 33 to 37. Uh, his, his thought was interrupted and he's come back and said, so, oh, just let me finish off this thought with you. Let me just finalise what I was thinking here and make sure you clearly understand what's being said here. He directs, redirects their attention again into uh, who they are and how they serve so this is Mark chapter 9 verses 42 uh, following if anyone causes one of these little ones now scholars uh, there's some Dispute, and maybe it doesn't really matter because the point is still the same. One of these little ones, uh, referring to the children that Jesus has welcomed into His presence. Remember that those who are least, those who are youngest, those who are most vulnerable—these uh, are the ones that we need to serve. And welcoming these little ones, uh, we welcome the Father. Remember too that Jesus—how did Jesus come? Not as one already fully formed. He comes as how? As one of these little ones. Alright, so remembering this, you welcome one of these little ones, you welcome the father. So some recognise that these, these little ones would have been the children. Some also argue or suggest that maybe one of these little ones might have been the man who was walking along the street. He's seen Jesus doing miracles. So the person in verse 39 or 38, 39, the disciples, you know, we saw this man here doing miracles in your name. And Jesus says, don't stop him. And some scholars would argue that actually, this is the guy who's actually seen Jesus doing what he's doing, recognized Jesus as Lord, and then because of what he's seen Jesus doing, he just goes about doing the same thing. Young in faith, maybe. Um, disciples a bit offended because he's not one of the crew. So, these little ones, that's the scope of these little ones. Those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Told you it was going to get a bit more difficult today. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. I was just checking different translations there. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. See the shift in language there? Uh, it is better for you to enter life in verse 45 and as in the previous verses and then Jesus shifts it again into enter the kingdom of God with one eye. What is life but being a part of the kingdom of God? Um, remember who, what, is it, what is it worth to uh, lose, gain the whole world but lose your soul? What is it to gain your life? This is that kind of language that Jesus is using. Um, be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Man, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. There you go, go and do that. Uh, just, Just a couple of highlights. That you might notice as you read through the text and it might be more obvious here uh, firstly uh, verse 44 is missing did anyone notice that Did you pick that up or not no no just no verse 44 and verse 46 what's happening here is that uh, those verses in some texts and maybe in some translations that you have are actually a repeat or a clarification of verse 48 now, most scholars accept that verse 48 belonged there in some of the earliest manuscripts, but it was actually verses 40, uh, as a repeat, those 44 and 46 were actually added to later manuscripts. But uh, so they've taken those verses out. Now, this verse, I wanted to start here in this last verse of 48. Uh, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched actually picks up the prophecy uh, that closes off Isaiah. Uh, verse, chapter S- Isaiah 66 uh, verses 24 and they will go out and look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worms that eat them will not die. The fire that burns them will not be quenched and they will be loathsome to all mankind." pretty graphic kind of brutal imagery isn't it all right Um, so but that's the end of the prophecy from Isaiah so there is going to be this nature of um, that where the earth almost swallows people up if you like Uh, and that would be fairly recognizable language for a group of people who remember the story of coming out of Egypt uh, people who try to challenge Moses leadership get swallowed up by the earth so this is a kind of language that this is this is held to these people this is this is the language imagine being spending your life eternity however we express that in the earth Like this is not a pretty image this is this is This is life without God, if you like. The nature of being in a place where the only life that comes for you and participates and moves through you is essentially the worms of the dirt. Brutal, horrible language. Language that we're not very comfortable with. It feels awkward to explain. It feels awkward to hear. But the reference to being or the image being swallowed up by the earth wouldn't be lost. And so we come here... Into the Gospel of Mark and it's and it's the not oh, sorry and this is the first time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is making a direct reference to hell right, so there's this imagery of hell earth being swallowed up this is kind of the language and the imagery of these first century listeners it's not a very comfortable conversation and as I've thought about this with Um, I know that many churches and some of us here would have grown up with the hellfire and brimstone kind of services and messages, and some of us might even wish that we'd go back to those days because, and some of us wish we never had those days. Um, So there's, it's, not a very comfortable conversation because it's not one that we have on a regular basis anymore because we want to talk about the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of redemption, the God of welcome, the God who knows us and accepts us but we also know if we read any length of scripture hell is a common and ongoing reference. Um, Scripture talks about Jesus descending into hell at his death so we can't avoid this conversation it has to be a necessary Conversation. We have to sit in the discomfort, feel the awkwardness. Now, we also recognise in this text that Jesus uses exaggerated language. Um, you know, I've told you a million times. We've all said that, haven't we? Um, how, I don't. I've tried to think of other. What's what's some other exaggerated language? Can anyone think off the top of their heads? I couldn't think of any. That's, um, but you would have your own references as well. Uh, I say that keeping in mind and I want you to understand that the image that Jesus uses for the listeners is pretty powerful and it's very current and it's very relative. When Jesus says uh, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. Now here's the thing people understanding this and remembering the ways of Jesus would have understood that to walk in the ways of Jesus and to offer the ways of Jesus and to declare Jesus as Lord and saying God rules supreme is in direct opposition to the Roman government and the Roman government is not against wrapping concrete around your neck and throwing you into the ocean that's a form of punishment so this is a very real it's, I told you, it's brutal kind of imagery, isn't it? This is a very real concept. Here's my choice here, if I follow Jesus and if I want to invite others into following Jesus, here's my choice, if I follow Jesus, that might actually mean I stand against the Roman government, their oppressive, brutal ways and offer the way of serving, offer the way of sacrifice and it might actually cost me my life. Now, some of our partners, Open Door Partnerships, and some Afghan, Afghanistan partners at the moment would understand some of this language because they know the cost. Very real and very specific. It might not be a millstone around their necks, but they know to stand up and declare Jesus as Lord will have societal, government consequences and punishments that are of this world that are this worldly empire all the empires that are ruling those nations at any given time and for us in our westernized Christianity and civility this becomes uh, kind of a bit sanitized because we can't we look at this and we go this is bizarre because we don't see it we don't understand it we remove ourselves from it even but this language about having a millstone thrown around his neck is a very real possibility because to stand with Jesus even doing the right thing serving taking care of the oppressed looking after the orphan whatever it might have been caring for the sick or doing something that the government has said is not to be ordained could cost you your life a very real threat and understanding so that's not an exaggerated um, statement the next statements become if your hand causes you to sin cut it off if your foot causes you to sin or stumble cut it off Uh, if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out becomes very um, exaggerated language jesus isn't advocating for self-harm here he is using exaggerated imagery to make a point because the picture of hell is a pretty gruesome kind of picture And again, it's something very real for these people um, because they understood that uh, there was a word used, uh, genena, I think is the Greek word for it, and it's referring to the rubbish dump just outside their cities. And the rubbish dump is where all their waste went and they they lit the waste. So you think, and when I talk about waste, human waste, Um, wasted product or product they're not using anymore, offal, the leftovers, anything that was considered waste was gone out, thrown out to the rubbish dump, probably out near where they put their lepers to some extent, outside the city, all those they couldn't care for, outside the city. And they put a match, they didn't put a match to it because they probably weren't invented. But they lit this waste. And so they had, when Jesus talked about this genenna, it was about, this very real looking outside their city and the constant glow of a fire burning, the constant smell burning your nostrils of a place that nobody wanted to go to. An everlasting fire. A fire that never went out. And so this has become the language that we've used, the imagery that we've used for our pictures of hell. Um, So they understood again the present reality. We struggle again to understand this, to comprehend this in our sanitised cities. But could you imagine how long it would take for our rubbish to build up and for other statements or other um, ways to burn rubbish or get rid of rubbish if our city councils stopped operating? Perhaps we've done it in the Bible. I'm not that old that I know what it's like to go out and burn rubbish out the back. But... Um, some of us might know, I don't know, we'd, st- we'd see our streets. I've s- if you go to Haiti, if you go to places like Haiti, India, some other third world countries, if you've travelled, the, the rubbish that's just lying around or just put out over there or some open land that's used for rubbish, you very quickly understand what it might look like to just out there is the smell, the everlasting fire and some people live amongst it, constantly. Um, the reality of these kind of places remains real uh, and continues out, just outside their doorstep. And I think for us, in our we- in worldwide, but particularly in our Western culture, in our Western understanding, we have to again recapture perhaps or come to the reality that there is an eternity with God or there is an eternity apart from God. And God honours the choice that we make in the life that we live in this world. And how we live, and not only how I live, but how we live, and the witness we bear to others, and particularly those who are the youngest amongst us, our children, or the least influential, or the powerless, how we bear influence and witness and testimony to those as well out of our relationship with God will determine the the eternity that we are a part of. That's fun, isn't it? So how are we encouraging the young? in our homes, in our community? How are we encouraging the young in faith to consider the ways of Jesus? And I I thought about the ways as I look at this um, this concept or the verses that Jesus um, uses and invites us to participate in. There's firstly the way that we encourage our young ones, our children, whether that's young in faith or the children um, of younger age What what are we encouraging them to believe and think on? How are we filling their minds? How are we filling their spirits? How are we guiding their spirits? How are we encouraging our children to put their hands to work, their lives to work, to serve? What does it look like to encourage our younger ones amongst us? to serve, to participate in the kingdom cause or in the ways that we walk. So there's our, there's our mind, there's our hands, the feet causes one of these little ones to stumble. Now we've got to, you know, what does it look like for us to participate in this life? But we're also thinking about how we invite others along. So how are we inviting our children to walk in the ways of Jesus, to participate in the ways of Jesus, in the ordinary everyday action of life? in the ordinary everyday participation of life and what are we inviting one another what are we watching what are we looking at what are we looking towards and what are we inviting others to look towards are we pointing to uh, the kingdom of god reality or are we pointing only to the reality of this world which is only temporary which kind of vision are we giving to our children How are we inviting our children to participate in this vision? When Jesus talks about um, if your hand causes you to sin, if your foot causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to sin, what fascinates me in this is that he doesn't give a list, but he gives another invitation for people to walk in his ways. It's another invitation to consider the way that we live, the way that we communicate, the way that we participate in this life. So um, I don't know about you but the reality is we're pretty aware of the things that we'd like to improve on. We're pretty aware even of the things that we like to or the things that we might be doing wrong, generally. We're pretty aware of how far away we're from God. Or how much we've done wrong that God can never accept me or welcome me. I could never be loved by God. We've all heard those conversations. And I think we need to choose where we plant ourselves. Um, and what comes what is the overflow of us psalms i love the way that psalms you know i had this text going through my mind as i reflected on the gospel of mark blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked so there's our feet or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers so that could be what we watch what we listen to what we digest what we think about how we participate with our hands but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose life does not wither whatever they do prospers we need to again be reminded and invited and constantly asking others our children and those young in the faith where will you plant yourself and training our children about where they will plant themselves and how they will plant themselves and in Matthew chapter 12 uh, it's very much about the things that we say for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of but this again was a verse that just resonated with me as i thought about this text Um, the hands reflect what the heart is full of. The mind thinks on and meditates on what the heart is full of. The feet walk in the ways of what the heart is full of. I don't know if you I watch uh, a wide selection of movies. Um, <laughs> I watch some very brutal movies, although I have found that harder and harder to do, the older I get, I've noticed. Um, Cause I'm so old. Um, <laughs> Although I'm old enough to remember benedictions at the end of services too, um, so um, but I don't know if you if you watch some of those brutal movies and people get injured and they somehow manage to sew themselves up. Have you? Ever, and I sit there cringing and I, you know. And sometimes if I see something and I jump, you know, I can I know it's going to happen and I still jump. Um, now I don't know. I don't know how possible it actually is to sew yourself up. I'm not I'm not sure if is it what's the, psycholo- what's the psychology of that Annabelle you're studying psychology I expect a full 15 minute report next week please um, no not at all I don't know how possible that really is to sew ourselves up and I ask that I mean that's a bizarre image I know that but it's just it's to ask these questions If there is something unhealthy or destructive in your life, if there was something that you felt was not life-giving, would you rather try to cut it off yourself and cut it out yourself or would you rather have the work done by the conviction and the grace and the mercy and the love of God? See, what I think when when we read these texts, we know the things that maybe don't reflect the heart of God. We read these texts and we go, oh yeah, I know, I should, I shouldn't. And when we, when we think about sin, we, we're defining sin as that which is not in the heart of God, that which misaligns us or keeps us out of step with the Father, whether that's at one degree or 180 degrees or 359 degrees kind of thing. It's out of step with the heart of God for us and our, His purpose for us and our lives and His love. That's what sin is, it's misalignment. You know, we all fall short of the glory of God. He's got a direction for us. He's got purpose for us in His sheer love. So what happens when we argue with the things that we're struggling with, with the unhealthy or uh, destructive thoughts or behaviors, and we use language like, I know I'm not meant to, I know I shouldn't, I know it's not healthy, I can't stop. It always happens when ABC happens, or it always happens when they do this to me. Um, or it's what others are doing or everyone else was there it happens every time and you know all we are doing is arguing against the ego if you like and all we are actually and even further that we're arguing against the enemy because we argue against ourselves and within ourselves we've already lost the battle we've already lost the battle because we spend so much time trying to cut it out because we're so overwhelmed by condemnation and shame and guilt because of what we think we should or shouldn't be doing and we keep wrestling in our own strength and the enemy has won the battle every time and I want to suggest in this and I, th- and I just felt like as even as I read this bizarre exaggerated language kind of text we need to again encounter the one who renews restores and recreates us because in the kingdom of God we are made new we are new creations it's not I that lives but Christ that lives in me and through me and if we could win we can win the battle when we come under that grace when we come under that authority when we declare that grace and that love and that mercy over our lives it redirects our thinking it redirects our hearts I had these texts from uh, 1 Corinthians that Paul writes to uh, the early church, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There's some struggles and some hardships and some battles that we have to face. Think Jesus, wilderness, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. We hear a lot today about our rights. And I was listening listening to something recently said, if we're talking a lot about our rights, we also need to understand our responsibilities that go with our rights. We have enormous amount of freedom and that's why we have our rights. But if you want your rights, there's also responsibility that comes with that no one should seek their own good but the good of others if what you're doing thinking participating in causes you to sin and leads others to sin this is not the life that god intended for us do not cause anyone to stumble whether jews greeks or the church of god anyone do not give people reason to stumble Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good but the good of many so that they may be saved. Follow my example, says Paul, as I follow the example of Christ. Does the way that we think, have faith, work, serve, walk, watch follow the example of Jesus so that others might follow our example? So we talk about this brutal kind of imagery that Jesus has given us from the cutting off of the unhealthy destructive mindsets and behaviours. Jesus then invites his disciples to consider the flavour that they will leave on this earth and it's a reasonable question to ask isn't it? What flavour will we leave on this earth? Will we leave one of self-indulgence? Will we leave one of what our rights are? Will we leave one of doing whatever we want everything is permissible therefore I can just run right and do whatever I want without any thought of consequence to others now and I think it's important to say at some point along the way other people have to make their decisions there's no doubt about that (laughs) we all have to make our own decisions about who we follow and we can't spend our lives especially as we mature and grown up saying oh you know 30 years ago that's not what Paul is referring to in this text 30 years ago, someone said this or did this to me. No, 30 years ago, well, it's probably time that we grew up and became a little bit adult about some things and surrendered those things to Jesus as well because that might be the unhealthy, destructive behaviours or thoughts that are actually preventing us and causing others to stumble and sin as well. So then Jesus uses these two reference, two verses at the end, everyone will be salted with fire. The imagery of fire out in the city being burnt up, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. What flavor will we leave on earth? For however long we have to go, knowing that the end of the world is coming, it has been coming since the New Testament writers, incidentally, what flavour will we leave on earth? I f- this I can't remember where I saw this quote. The hardships that disciples, that is learners of Jesus or followers of Jesus, those following the example of Jesus, the hardship that disciples undergo now are being disciplined like the fire of a sacrificial offering that purifies or like salt which stings and smarts but is preservative in its effect. The sacrificial death of Jesus is not to shield disciples from costly obedience but rather to show them the way it is no longer I that lives but Christ that lives in me we are meant to be refined by the work the fire the power of God with us by the Holy Spirit and Jesus says have salt in yourselves declare your allegiance who will you declare your allegiance to what does it mean for you to declare your allegiance to Jesus and as you declare your allegiance to Jesus work out what that means with one another participate in life with one another bear witness to one another and you know what it's certainly not found in arguing over who is the greatest but this witness is found in living at peace with one another, Jesus says. Now, I mean, there's so many offshoots of this message. I thought about six different messages just in this text alone. And that's probably true of every text that we've gone through. My task is not to go really deep in every ounce of theology of every word, but to try and inspire and awaken and stir the Holy Spirit and revelation of God's word within us and invite us to consider what does it look like for me to follow Jesus. Remembering that Jesus was talking about this in the context of the example to children that Jesus had gathered around him. What does it look like for us to consider, think, and believe in Jesus as He expresses the kingdom of God and then pass that on? To serve one another as the body. As people who belong to the kingdom of God to walk in the ways of Jesus knowing that there are temptations knowing there are challenges that the challenges and a diversity of expressions and the causes is going greater and the kingdom of God is one that is still being revealed amongst us despite the challenges of our world today what does it look like for you and I to bear witness and testimony to Jesus today and what might need to be cut out of our lives for that witness to become fully alive through the grace and the mercy and the purifying work of entering into a transforming relationship with Jesus? This is a hard word, this is a difficult image. But our eternity very much depends on how we respond to the imitation of Jesus to walk in the ways of the Father to walk out of the heart of the Father, to serve out of the heart of the Father, to think on the things of the Father. Maybe there are some things that need to be cut out of our lives. There's possibly always something, will always be something to be cut out of our lives. And in that, I'd invite us to surrender it to the love, the grace and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and allow him to do his surgery on us. To bring it under his authority and in declaring in the name of Jesus that we would believe in him so our thought and encourage others to think on him that we'd serve him with our hands that we would walk with him with our feet and that we would bear witness to him inviting other people to watch and see our example how we live even as we follow the example of Jesus Father, we want to honour you. We want to thank you for your love for us. We recognise that we, have, we step outside of your plans and your purposes. We walk outside of your love. We serve outside of your love. We pursue our own ways. We get caught up in what others are doing. We get caught up in what's our rights, our freedoms, rather than participating in the freedom that you invite us to. Holy Spirit, we want to ask that now wherever we are, that your spirit would be at work across our community, across our state, across our nation, bringing about a new sense of your conviction and heart and love and desire to walk in step with you so that we might bear witness and again proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We know that that is happening already. We want to see that increase and multiply and we pray that us as your servants, as your church might recapture Um, the significance and the power and the urgency of this call into eternity into the picture of eternity we want to live close to your heart in your heart we want to live out of your heart inviting others bearing testimony and witness so that as others watch us they might see the ways of Jesus we thank you for your word we thank you for the example of Jesus and those who have borne witness before us May we continue to have your work done in us and know that you are enough in all of our ways. In your name, we give you thanks and honor and praise. Amen.